I'm Alex McDougald, and this is INSEAD in Conversation With, a podcast series in which our guests share their stories, thoughts, and insights with us. In this episode, I'm with Steve Knight, a global executive communication skills coach and an INSEAD adjunct professor of business communication. Steve is also the founder and CEO of Art of Comms, a coaching and training company that helps leaders and executives build stronger relationships, presence, and connections through stronger communication. Over the next half hour or so, we're gonna talk about what makes for great communication and how to achieve it. Steve. Thanks so much for being with me today. It's a pleasure. You are a broadcast journalist by training. You own an executive coaching organization focused particularly on communication. And here at INSEAD, you teach communication to the MBA students, the master and management students, some of our executive education programs, but also, of course, a global executive MBA program. Correct. Correct. And a broadcaster by vocation as well as by training, because I didn't just do the degree and then <laughs> never use it again. So, yes, yeah, so I was around 20 years at the, working across the BBC and Discovery Channel as a, as a broadcast journalist and a, and a presenter, plus radio. So it's been a, it has been and still is a great career. A life around communication. Absolutely. And, well, you call it the art of communication. And I was curious to open the conversation. What, in your opinion, makes communication a form of art? As opposed to a science, right? As opposed to a science, yes. Yeah. Now I think about it, it's definitely a science because the very act of being alive and speaking evolves breathing and breathing diaphragmatically so we get the best quality voice and we're grounded and have our executive presence, etc. So the very act of breathing is a natural science. The, the vibrations that come from our vocal cords, it's physics, you know, and so on and so forth. So it's definitely a science, but then... It's like cooking, I suppose. You you make you have a recipe and you put it together and ultimately you want people to enjoy the dish that you've created and they say, that's amazing. How did you make that? And it's the same with communication. You may use or you do use science to create it, to physically deliver it. And it's the art that strings all the science together. And remember that, as we say, with art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what is right for one person is not necessarily going to be right for another, which is why it's always important to get feedback and rehearse before you communicate, because at the end of the day, it's an art with a massive, huge, humongous background in science. No, absolutely. And it's really interesting you mention that because it's something that divides opinions, but also it's something that can uh, create a connection art and a feeling, a sense of, of, of belonging. To, and I suppose, in a way, communication it does all those things. Done right, it can help create a sense of bond, connection, Absolutely. presence. 100%. 100%. So if, you, if you've got the core essence of communication under your belt as, as your foundation, then the, the rest of that that comes forth from that is what we call in our in our feedback and it's in our Art of Comms app is what we call the gift of you. So we have message clarity, quality of voice, body language, and the gift of you, those four. So you could argue that the first three, the, the clarity of your message, the quality of your voice and your body language, they could be the, the science aspects of it, if you like. And then the gift of you is the art form, because if you look at, just for example, if we look at our MBAs, we have over a thousand MBAs here per year going out into the marketplace to be interviewed by the recruiters at the end of the day. When the recruiters interview our MBAs 
and anybody else that's come through any form of education, you know, you know, the person's got a good first degree. They've probably done a, some other masters as well. They may even have a PhD. They've had se up to seven years work experience. They tick a lot of boxes already. So they're all given and expected. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. So what is it that the recruiters tune into at the end of the day, which is in addition to those things? And that's the icing on the cake. I talked about creating a dish earlier on. That's the icing on the cake. And it's the icing on the cake that can make or break the cake, right? Because that's the gift of you, the essence of who you are, Alex, who I am, Steve, you know, how we come across to other people whether people feel that they can trust us, whether they feel that we're, so, we're someone that, that they will get on with, that they would like to have for the, into their house for dinner or to go for dinner with. You know what I'm saying? It's all about trust and connection, exactly as you say. It seems that, especially since COVID, people are, are re-evaluating what they want from their personal and both their personal and professional lives. I suppose it has to be getting a balance right, you know, that, that gift of you and all the other, the clarity of voice and... And it can be detrimental if you only have the one and not the other. Well, you, I would say you definitely have to have the foundations. And then the gift of you is an evolving thing. The gift of me right now on, on this day in the year 2023 is very different than it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Very different than when I started here at INSEAD. So we are, you know, an evolving piece of art, if 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 you like. But the... The one thing that I would say for everybody to remember, because if, if, if I could ban the phrase public speaking, if I could ban the phrase presentation or even presentation skills or, you know, slides in a sense, I would because they just kind of put us into this box. Oh, I'm going to do some public speaking tomorrow. I'm really worried about it. Oh, I'm going to do a presentation or, oh, good morning, everybody. I'm just going to go through these uh, slides and I think, please don't just send them to me. I'd rather look at them myself if you're going to present them like that. So at the end of the day, whatever the context, but in the business setting, we're having a conversation. We're having a conversation just like you and I are right now. We're having a conversation with relevance for a specific goal for a reason. But we're having a conversation. I haven't come in here today thinking, oh, I'm going to do a webinar podcast and we're going to have professional microphones in front of us. You know, we could scrap all that and we'd just be having a conversation as we were before we started recording. We, and, we're, and we're no different now during this than we were before the mics went on air. That's what I'm saying is for people to realize to bring out the gift of you and not put yourself into the straitjacket of, oh. I've got to do a presentation. Oh, I'm just going to go through these slides. That's a that's a killer, as far as I'm concerned. And I I teach that all the time. Now, it's about bringing your own personality, as you say. Not one size. There's no one size that fits all. It's you've got to bring your own, I suppose, take and 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 personality to whichever kind of communication you're doing. Be it a presentation, a speech, a negotiation, and perhaps that would create the connection between you, the person speaking, and the person. Uh, listening rather than just hearing the hard facts alone delivered in a very monotonous exactly. manner. Exactly. Well, it's the, the old theory that's been well used for, for many, many years now, isn't it, by Professor Albert Morabian. And I know there's been huge debate over whether Professor Morabian ever intended it to be used in the way that so many of us have used it. But the, his research was showing that 38% uh, was the use of the voice, 55% on the body language, and only 7% on the words alone. And I, I, I think now if we were to do that survey again, we might put the voice and the body language 50-50. 
the words have always got to be 100% correct. Otherwise, people will know that you're just making it up or you've got it absolutely wrong or they have a completely different opinion. But I think what he was saying was about the impact and what people remember afterwards. So I always say maybe 50-50 for words and voice and then 100% of the words have got to be accurate and correct. But what is it that people will remember? They'll remember they liked you, that you were engaging, that you were passionate, that you certainly believed in your cause, and they'd be more inclined to follow your school of thought, even if they woefully disagree with you because they're from a you know different part of the planet or a different political party or opposing business school or competing business school, whatever. They'd be more likely to buy in and at least understand you if they can get that connection and trust. You know, and I think there are a lot of politicians around in our current time where we thought, hmm, quite good at creating messages, but what's the substance behind it? And after you've heard them with all their bluff and, and Shakespearean, you probably know who I'm thinking of as I'm saying this, mm-hmm. I see you nodding your head, is then you afterwards you think, well, what did they actually say? Nothing really, you know? So it's I think it's really, really interesting time because we have social media thrown into all of that and anything can be taken out of context in a heartbeat. So we have to be very consciously aware. As someone who teaches how to be a good communicator and get that presence across and that connection across, how much more difficult but also essential is it to be a good communicator today and to make sure that you deliver um, your message with impact and that you're going to get people to pay attention? Because I think with our social media era, the attention spans are clearly less focused. How would you say that people should be approaching communication to get over that hurdle, if you like? Yeah, well, I think I should always coach people not to use the word, I think, and I just used it. So part (laughs) part of that thing when you're learning it is to be consciously aware when you say a filler word or you say a vague term like I think or perhaps or maybe. So I'll just throw that one in as a learning opportunity for everyone listening because I just did it myself and none of us are saints. So it's learning for everybody. When you look at the question that you've just asked me, it's it's really interesting because communication skills as a topic to learn and be coached on has exploded. And 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 everybody has access to, access to it, whether it's online or in person or at a business school, etc. So I would say there are a lot more good communicators around who know the core essence of what makes a good communication. Which is a good thing, but the danger of that is if you've got someone that wants to sway you into the dark side or voting for something that perhaps they think is a brilliant idea for a country, you can work that one out as well, and, and then and then they can persuade you to do something and afterwards you think, well, what, what did people do that for? Uh, and so you have to be good because if you're on the, on, the, on the bright side and there's people around on the dark side trying to attract you across, you've got to be very, very good because those guys are very, very good as well. So if we're not good and we're we're on the right path as we see it, and there's somebody else who's not on the right path and they're a better communicator, chances are they're going to persuade the masses that theirs is the, is the way to go. And we see that happening in society. We see it happening across social media. We saw it certainly happen with the, with the pandemic. And it's also very confusing because you're always going to have outliers in the academic sector, in the medical sectors, in science, you know, it, they've always been there. And, and it's a good, healthy thing to have. But when you're kind of broadcasting to the general world to have for the general public to see, for example, a doctor or a lawyer or an academic 
explaining something which is very different than the than the, because they're the outlier. That's very confusing for people. I'm not saying they should be, you know, locked up and the key should be <laughs> thrown away because it's important that everybody has a voice and everybody should be able to make an educated decision. But it's just an interesting situation we find ourselves in, which we've never really had in history before. So communication is just evolving, 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 evolving. You know, and we just have to be on, on, on the, at the top of our game to keep on top. What is a great example of someone who's gone through an incredible transformation of coming to you with an XYZ issue with the way they communicate or they perceive that they communicate to then leaving has flourished, let's say, yeah. into a great communicator? If we, if we start with looking at the, the MBAs here, I get lots of feedback and you know, LinkedIn messages afterwards, which is, which is wonderful. And the things that people say is, you know, I realized before I did this course, and bear in mind, we only do two days here at INSEAD every time we do Art of Comms, and we do it over the weekend. I didn't realize before I came on the course how much I took my voice for granted or how I left the creation of my message to the last minute and how I had these massively crowded slides, which, you know, you can't see the wood for the trees, so to speak. And I realize now that I need to be more disciplined and focused, but also I've got a lot more confidence now knowing that it's the gift of me I can bring out. And people talk about why, you know, before I became a coach coach, I was purely teaching it from a journalistic point of view. And um, once I became a coach and I became a coach because people started asking me more in-depth questions. And when we look at those more in-depth questions, it's apparent that, you know, it's not just about communication skills, so much of it in terms of confidence. Do we have a voice at the table can be based on our culture, can be based on our upbringing, can be based on how our parents raised us, can be based on how many times we were slapped down at school, not physically or literally, but slapped down in terms of, you know, I was always told, for example, would you stop asking so many questions in high school? That was the biggest one I got. Stephen Knight, will you please <laughs> stop asking so many questions and just get on with the learning? So it's really ironic that I became a journalist and got paid to ask questions you know that's uh yeah so that, that's really great but the so how so so much of it is based on our upbringing and our nurturing our culture that we're not aware of so sometimes it's working through that in an international setting like we have here at INSEAD and in most of the organizations I work with how do we not sell out on our culture uh, or our, our mother tongue in terms of accent how do we keep our accent be understood how do we be true to ourselves but develop uh, an evolutionary an evolutionary version of ourselves that just keeps on growing and not be afraid to do that. So that's that's the, the kind of feedback we, that stems from the MBAs. With execs, it tends to be, for example, you might have someone who's become um, a global president and they're about to become the chair, chairperson and then the, the, the team around them have realized that that person needs more executive presence to, to fill the boots of that bigger position or someone that's gone going from a vice president to a senior vice president. So anyone who's working their way up the ladder, basically. And, and we have people, I mean, typically in the last five, six years, 80% of my corporate clients have been uh, female leaders in business, women in business, working their way up. Uh, or they suddenly got to the top position and thought, oh my goodness, I need some coaching in, in the comms skills part of it. And the interesting thing is, I'd say probably 75 more, 80% of people that come to me, it's not really always just about the communication skills either. Very, very few is it just about the voice or just about the body language. Mm -hmm. It's more often gift of you and lack of clarity in the message or lack of understanding of how to, how to manage a team and manage conflict. And that's all done through communication yeah. as well. We've spoken about um, how times have changed. There's an explosion of mediums and, you know, 
And we spoke at the very beginning about the fundamentals. And I think, yes, times will change and the way the access to communication uh, mediums will evolve, but fundam well, the fundamentals will always remain the same, that clarity of voice. And I think what you mentioned there was really interesting is in your examples, when people come to you, whether it's an in-person form of communication, um, online, over the telephone, it doesn't matter the same principles apply, no matter what medium you're using, it is all about being clear, being focused, being confident. I love the confidence. That's something I wanted to ask you about because for me, it seems to me the more and more we talk about communication, especially when you're being asked to present in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's going to influence and connect with people, it, is, it does a lot to do with how you are confident in yourself and your best self, as you mentioned before. Mm. For me, that seems one of the red threads. There's a couple of red threads I found, um, well, as we talk, uh, from a personal point, personality point of view, it's the confidence that underpins. So yes, as you said, your clients might not come to you because they have for communication questions that they have, but it's more globally speaking, my presence, how do I develop my presence? And that, in, a lot of that's down, perhaps down to the, comp the confidence, knowing that I can do this, I have it in me to be that communicator just you, someone such as yourself has to bring out the best in them yes yes well one of the ones i get a lot is well i'm just about to get this new position i'm going to be having to advise a, a board or a team of people on a you know every week and why would they want to listen to me because they know it all already and I always say, well, actually, they don't. That's why they're, they're the board to advise or they're the, the C-suite also to advise the teams down. But at the end of the day, you're hired into a job to be a specialist for the area that you are specialist in until you reach the C-suite. That's what you're not a generalist. You're a specialist. And that's why they hire you. So absolutely, they want to hear what you've got to say. But if you don't have confidence in what you've got to say, because you've already, the voice on the shoulder has already said, oh, this, this, oh, this, that, that, which again, goes on culture, goes on upbringing, self-confidence. Yeah. And it's not a curse. Well, it is a curse, but it's not a, it's not a crime to have a lack of confidence. You know, if you ask a group of people in a room, a thousand people, 999 people will put their hands up. Because it's, it's often, I found, especially, I think maybe this is a British thing, but it's one of those things where it's not, it's... People don't want to uh, shout, toot their own horn, and shout about it. They want to naturally believe, bring, think of the worst of themselves, and not the best. Because I think maybe it's not perceived in the best way. It's perceived as being arrogant. Well, actually, I always used to think that was a British way of thinking, but my years here at INSEAD have led me to realise <laughs> it's not just the Brits. Yeah. You know, there's so many of our cultures across the world. I mean, France included has that. Yeah. Don't put your head above the parapet. Yeah. Don't be arrogant. You know, don't blow your own trumpet. Um, and if you look at it stereotypically, we might say, oh, that only happens in North America where people are encouraged to do that. But I would, I've been back and forth to America for coaching and for business so often now. And what I love about getting rid of my stereotypical image of that is that I've learned, and particularly if you look at it through sport, is maybe a good analogy, and it's a neutral one, um, the athletes will say to you, I've been really blessed. And for some, that might be with a capital B because they're a person of faith with a capital F, or it might be a small B because they're a Darwinian theorist and we evolved out of a pond, whichever way, right? <laughs> We're walking, talking miracles. We have ability yes. to speak and breathe and form ideas and create AI, et cetera, et cetera. So we are, we are amazing. But, the, but they will say, I, I have this blessing that I've been given. 
and it's my duty to to make sure I use it wisely. And if I don't, then I'm being lazy and sloppy. Mm. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful way of thinking, okay, so I've got this. I can speak and I can breathe and I can form ideas. Therefore, I I should be taking these skills not for granted. I should be using them wisely, learning how to make them mm. better to become an athlete in the arena of communication. Mm. Why not? Because yeah. if you don't do it, everybody else will. Yeah. And then if you know, if everyone's running forward and you're still walking, eventually, essentially you're running backwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I th- it's something I touched upon when I did my podcast game, podcast episode with Andy Yap on executive presence and influence. And and it came out during that conversation and it I think it equally applies here. What we've been talking about, we've been talking about in a professional context. But being a good communicator can affect positively all aspects of one's life so this equally applies to your personal life i think of myself and i have two children young of a young age and it's my life outside of work is is, an, is a constant negotiation and being able to communicate to, to get them on my side so it's interesting in the skills that you help students executives uh, develop from a for, for in many ways a, a professional sense of leadership really they equally apply to someone who wants to negotiate or just communicate absolutely in their day-to-day life absolutely 100 percent. yeah yeah the uh it's 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 not about the context it's about the having a relationship and a communication with another person or another group of people and looking for the the commonality and the relevance you know why am i sharing this with you what does it mean for Mm. you Mm. and what difference will this make to you should you follow my school of thought absolutely 100 percent and it's interesting, I mean, I think one of the last points I wanted to touch upon was that second red thread that has got me thinking throughout our conversation is it sounds to me that as we talk more and more about what makes a good uh, communicator, how we connect with people and how we get people on our side and get the buy-in, as you mentioned at the beginning, is essentially as being a good storyteller. Mm. Now, it could be you're telling a story in a negotiation, in a presentation. At the end of the day, we all tell stories. And it's because throughout history, that's... In Australia, it's the Aborigines, tribes around the world have been on the campfire telling stories and creating connections and bonds. And is it that communication, although yes, times are changing, times will always change, new technologies will come along, new ways of communicating will come along. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to those fundamentals in how you communicate, the gift of you, the confidence that you project, and the story that you can tell someone to get them on board. Yes, exactly. I mean, storytelling came into the communication arena probably a decade ago now, if not more. And, and I must admit, when it first came in, I thought, well, isn't this what we do anyway? But I think maybe we hadn't, as a, as a collective body of people that coach and teach communication skills, maybe we had taken it for granted because certainly in journalism and broadcasting, you're telling stories all the time. You're interviewing people. You're either using their footage or their audio and creating a story around it and you do the voiceover in between, but we're always telling stories. So when it comes to communication in the workplace, historically it it, it was, here's a bunch of slides, here's a bunch of data, let's put it all together and we'll make something of it. Whereas now, just like with advertising and marketing, if you can step into the shoes of the people who will be using it and say, this is how it will shift your life. This is what you can do with this product, with this with this system, with this process, whatever it may be. If you can turn that into, imagine we have client A 
And client A at the moment is running around all over the place. Their the calendar's a nightmare. But da-da, we have this new software program that will help them organize their lives much better. And this is now Joe about his daily life, doing his work. And he's so organized because he's got our product. So that story centers around Joe in that case. You know, absolutely. And, and that's what the storytelling is about. And people will remember that mm. more than they will remember what was on the slides, especially in the old days, or even now, sadly, when there's too much on the slides, yes. you know. And then you get, I mean, the other thing is you get, in terms of the storytelling, the physical ability to tell the story. Mm -hmm. So the minute you start putting lots of ers and ums, and then the superfluous vague terms like like, for example, that's now used historically over the last, I mean, the last decade as well, the superfluous word of the used like. And then there's maybe, perhaps, sort yes. of, kind of, Ambiguous. I think, yes. yeah, as opposed to, based on the evidence we have, it is my firm opinion yes. that it's X, Y, Z, mm -hmm. and my my recommendation is to do A, B, C by this given date mm -hmm. without all the ers and mm -hmm. the ums. I've been to so many meetings and presentations over the years, and it, it really does my head in <laughs> when I hear someone, uh, um, uh, um, uh, um. Yeah. And they don't realize they're doing it. And, and, the, and the sad thing is sometimes half the audience might not know either because they do it themselves. As a conclusion, I know we spoke, cover a lot of ground in this. I found it extremely interesting because it's all very relatable to what we do in our daily lives. I think that's hopefully certainly connect, resonated well with what, all of what I think about. Um, if you could sum up in a few words, just what makes a good communicator? What are some of the hallmarks of a good communication? Do your homework in terms of learning the craft to the best of your ability. I already said we have a great tool to help you do that, the Art of Comms app. Then think about the audience, who's going to be in the room, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or one-to-many. Think about the medium you're speaking through, because whilst the context of that shouldn't make a difference, it will in terms of lighting, microphones, not having a window directly behind you, the framing that you choose on that you appear on 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 zoom or, or teams does make a difference so you have to think about that so the the who's in the audience what is it they need to hear from you in order for them to f to sign on the dotted line as opposed to just what you want to tell them the, the clarity of your message so the structure what are you talking about why are you talking about it what's your intention this is the issue this is the our response this is the benefit should you choose it here's the proof the data to to back it up or situation problem solution so you've got a clear structure a clear path through the woods embrace diaphragmatic breathing use your voice learn how to use your voice how your vocal cords work enunciate your words clearly, which is different than pronunciation because pronunciation is based on our mother tongue. So for example, just the word water is said differently in the UK as it's said in Australia or in France, for example. So the way that we say those words are different. So that's the accent, which is pronunciation. That doesn't matter. It's enunciation, the stretching of the word. So however you pronounce water, if you say water, it's, it's said clearly and everybody gets everything that you're saying about. So enunciation, cadence, so that we're not speaking too fast, pausing whilst we take a breath to plant the points, avoiding as much as we possibly can the filler words and the vague terms and the phrases like like when it's used in the wrong context as far as I'm concerned. And then your body language, think about that whether it's through online or whether it's in person, think about the eye contact and also your the the key one at the end of the day is that gift of you the essence of you that is uniquely you the experience that you bring to the table that nobody else can thank you steve that's amazing thank you very much for being such a great guest thank you 
and thank you to you, our audience, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about what INSEAD is doing in the field of communications, please don't hesitate to follow the links in the podcast description below. And if you'd like to know more about Steve, please also don't hesitate to visit his LinkedIn profile, the link of which will be in the description, as well as the link to his coaching company, Art of Comms. Thank you very much and until next time.